you want to really freeze your balls off, go to London in January. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> it's like one degree um, or something. I'm, I'm You'd be used to that. Quite fond of my from where you're from. Of my balls. <laughs> what do you Welcome to Think Act Get with James Shramko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster and get high performance results in your business. Hi there, listener. Welcome back to another episode of Think, Act, Get Ezra Firestone here with my partner, as always, James Shramko. James, how are you, man? Were you listening? I am, mate. I was just messing with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Topic of this show is listening. And I thought it'd be great to use the power of demonstration. You know, you got me there for a second because I, I was I, I you know you're sort of mischievous. You do get me from time to time, but uh, but that time I really wasn't sure. I was like, "What's going on? <laughs> Where'd he go?" <laughs> it was especially fun for me because today I'm watching your video, and uh, I wanted to not just listen with my ears for a reaction, but I could see you. I was listening with my eyes. I was drinking in your your movement and your anticipation of what comes next. You know, I didn't realize you were watching me. And, uh, you know, I, I like to know when I'm being watched because interestingly, when I'm not being watched, my behavior is different. I behave much differently when, I, when nobody is looking. I believe that's, that's true of humans. I've found surveys that say if an employee thinks that they'll get away with it, they're more likely to steal stationery. Interesting. And it, it's also true when the boss goes away, often the, the, the mice do play. They get a little more relaxed. They, they're sort of more in the moment of just being absorbed in their own stuff and not necessarily under that militant leadership. Nobody's sort of holding them accountable. You know, this is one of the interesting things for me about leading an all-virtual team is that uh, part of what I'm doing, you know, part of my my big job is really just to keep people accountable to doing their doing what they should be doing. And I find that if I am not sort of saying, hey, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? Kind of putting some pressure on that people do kind of relax a little bit. You know, not that I don't want people to be relaxed, but I want them to have that enthusiasm and that fire, you know, on their own, which they do. But I guess I, I, I have had to get right with that nobody cares as much as I do, you know? That's it. Well, that's the, one of the true secrets to leadership is doing the best job you can of aligning someone's self-interest to what it is that you need getting done. Right. And the better you can do that, the less you have to worry about putting on the bridles and shackles. Totally. And and we've done a little bit of that, like incentivizing people based on, you know, hey, if we hit these goals. And we kind of talked about this actually on a, a Silver Circle call uh, the other night. We were talking about sort of our strategies for team, you know, the different kind of different ways we incentivize our team. And it's an interesting topic of conversation. So our topic today is listening. And, you know, if you look up a dictionary definition, you'll get some kind of a, it's not hearing, hearing something we automatically do, but listening is more of that conscious processing of the the stuff that's coming into our ears and then we're interpreting it. And that's a really good point that a lot of people think they're listening because they heard something. But just because you heard something didn't mean that you actually listened to it, right? I also think about when I think about listening, I think about noticing. Like how perceptive are you? Because I'm not just talking about listening sound-wise and listening to people. I'm talking about perceiving what is actually going on around you, taking your attention off of yourself and putting it uh, on what's going on around you. And, and my, um, my grandfather used to say, know what you can know. 
And what he meant by that was like, like have your attention on what's happening around you and, and on what the, what the people you're communicating with are saying in their actions, behaviors, things like that. And then don't be betrayed by what you know, right? Like, you know, if you know this, if you know a person behaves in a certain way and then they behave that way, you don't have to be betrayed by it because you were paying attention. You were listening. You knew that this was how they were. And so you can modify, you know, the way that you operate around them to, to account for that. Yeah, that is interesting. And my grandfather was pretty much blind at the later stages of his life. And when I lived with him for a while and worked with him, I learned a lot about uh, supersonic listening. This guy could hear things. Is that like the clicking? <laughs> no, it's it's like he could hear stuff that that we're not normally dialed into because we can see and because we you know have all our senses often we're not working any of them particularly hard sure he worked his ears super hard because that was his main guidance system it was how he could know that there was something in front of him like a, sure. an animal or something or a car driving by or someone walking down the street or skateboarding he hated skateboarders he used to wave his stick at them <laughs> and by the end, he just if he wanted to cross the road, he'd just get his <laughs> stick and start waving around and just walk across the road. <laughs> Everyone would have to stop. But what I did learn from him is that that's amazing. He could really tune in 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 the job that we were doing, which was as a timber broker. It was buying and selling timber over the phone, over the telephone, and he would listen so intently to the words that people used and the tone that they had and he could tell if they were bluffing or if they were confident mm. or if mm. they you know were were likely to be able to come through on the deal or if they were a bit sketchy and he would we'd hang up the phone and he'd tell me what's really happening which he could pick up all from what people didn't say and how they said things and i learned then that you can really mm. dial into that and that's why uh, yesterday when someone asked me to do a podcast and they sent me over the, the specs and it was talking about what camera I'll need and lighting and I said, hey, listen, I'd rather just do audio because most of the time when I'm on a podcast, I've got my eyes closed and I'm listening to the other person so that I can process that and then formulate something appropriate to come back and uh, respond and develop the conversation with. You're shutting out one like sort of sensation or stimulus to, to be able to really focus another one. And it's interesting that, that, that you're talking about that, number one, with regard to someone who's blind. Because if you do Google this, you will find that there are several blind people who walk around – clicking and they can actually bounce sound waves off of the things around them and see what's going on. There's one blind kid who surfs and rides his bike all by using that clicking noise, kind of the way dolphins do it. But the other thing that you're talking about, so it's interesting to check out YouTube for that. I'm, I'm always fascinated by the, the, the way they're able to sort of maximize their other senses when they are deprived of one. And what you're talking about, what you do on a podcast is sort of a similar, but, but less intense version of that. Well, I'm saying we, we can do it at any point. We can, we can, load up more power to one of our senses by shutting off the other ones. Yes. And I, I think that what, what I love about the story about your grandfather is what he was doing in that in that in in those scenarios and and he may have had you know sort of forced was forced to learn that power because he couldn't see, but he was bringing 
intention and attention to that moment. You know, I'm a big fan of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. It's a, a mixed martial arts, the UFC. It's a, you know, sort of a where all these martial arts disciplines come together and compete to see who's the best. And I've been watching it since I was literally five years old. I saw the first one when I was five years old. My grandpa ordered it from, from me. And back then it was like a circus show, you know, it was like a karate guy versus a boxer and all this kind of stuff. It was really, um, they fought multiple times in one night. Now it's an actual legitimate sport and discipline. And so I've been training in this, in different martial arts my whole life, judo, jujitsu, boxing, wrestling. And really those are where I first learned respect, discipline, hard work, consistency. So, so what I learned in those martial arts has really helped me throughout my life. But what, what's interesting is that generally, and I, and I've done a lot of competing, of combat, of, of grappling, of just me versus one other person in my life as a, as a youth, you know, coming up as a youth competitor in these sports. And what's interesting is it's generally not the better person who wins the match. It's the per, you know, I often beat people who were much more skilled than I was, but I was able to bring more intention to that moment. I was able to show up with more intention and, and then conquest because of that. So I think a lot, a lot of this has to do with how much are you willing to show up with and really be present with in, in a given circumstance, in a given moment. And you're very good at this. And I think it's because you listen to it, particularly with coaching entrepreneurs, right? You're like the best. And it's because maybe you listen to so many of them that you've, you've honed that skill, but you're able to show up and really hear what people are saying. And I see this a lot, right? Because I do a lot of coaching myself, but what you'll do, someone will present a problem and you will answer a completely different question, but it will actually be what they were asking. And it's just fascinating. A lot of the time people don't really know what to ask. So my role is to listen and process and interpret and then to come back and assist. So a, a lot of that actually revolves around the processing power. And because I had that interaction with my grandfather when I was quite young, I was probably 17 when I worked with him in the timber brokerage, I then went on to debt collection, which was how I utilized all the skills I'd learned over the telephone to get in more into persuasion and helping people solve their problems. And then I went into selling, especially over the telephone. Yeah, Anything to do with the telephone and business, I did really well with. And that's why I've naturally found myself these days, you know, often on a Skype call or a group call, helping people by asking questions, listening to what they say, and then processing. So I believe that over a series of years, I've built up my processing power and I've exercised my listening muscle. And the great news is mm. that most people who have hearing, and of course, there's going to be some people who don't, <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm quite serious, there's, right, you know, there's a right. huge deaf community, but just for, for our average listener who's listening to this, they can start developing that listening muscle from now and you can do some things and we might get it that in, in the willpower wager later on we might give an exercise that you can use to start developing your listening ability well i like what you said about asking questions because i find that often questions that people ask center around them it's like i like your shirt where did you get it where the attention is on me and how much i like your shirt it's not just 
where did you get your shirt? So one of the strategies that you can use is to do what I call asking interested questions rather than interesting questions. Interesting puts the attention on you. Interested keeps the attention on the person that you're communicating with. And the more interested your questions are, the better content, the better, the, the more revealing the responses will be. Because pe- what people want is for someone to pay attention to them and be willing to listen to what they have to say. And so if you can actually show up and do that, you can go a long way in your communications and in your selling. That is a wonderful point. In fact, I would say that my gold standard and the result that I'm looking for is for the person I'm talking with to say, that is a great question. And I usually get that every day and I'm not overwrapping myself, but I really look for the great questions because I believe so much in the power of it. Having learned that as a technique when I was selling, especially spin selling, that it's all about the questions. The good thing about questions is that it unearths more data and more information with what comes next for you to get even more processing ability to interpret. And with just a few short questions, in fact, when we were selling motor vehicles, we broke it down to six questions that we needed to ask every time. What were? Do you know? Do you remember what they were? Any of them? Oh, I remember what some of them were. It was uh, who's the vehicle for? Because mm. that really helps you understand who you're talking with. Right? Like, mm. Are you talking to the butcher or the block? Uh, is it for the boss who's not here right now, or is it for the person sitting in front of me, or is it for the lady sitting next to the man who's doing all the talking? Right. And we don't want to ignore the lady. Right. Which is a very common one. Totally. When do you need it? That's very helpful because it could be, well, I need it right now today because I'm, I'm driving tomorrow. Or it could be, well, when I've done my um, Amway in two years from now, this is my dream vision board car and and I'm going to come and buy it from you in two years from now and when I'm a triple star general diamond platinum. And then you know, (laughs) okay, I don't want to get my hopes up too much here. You would have uh, you would have cringed the other day. There's this car dealership, and uh, I live between these two towns uh, in upstate New York. And one of them's sort of more of a little happening town. You know, it's got coffee shops and butcher shops and restaurants, it's like the Brooklyn of upstate New York. It's where all the all the hipsters move. You know, when they get too cool for Brooklyn. And uh, I, on the way to that town, you pass all these car dealerships, and we're looking for a second car. You know, we're in the market for a second car because it's winter. You know, it's gonna be winter soon. There's a lot of snow. We kind of have this luck vehicle that we don't really want to uh, put through that put through the winter and so we're looking for we're looking for a second car we're thinking of Toyota Tacoma and we keep driving by and we see this one it's at this car dealership so we stop in to talk to these guys the manager comes out he says hey you know this kind of dress polished New York guy kind of talking like this how you guys doing over there you know kind of like that and he's and he 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 says you know I said hey we're you know we're interested in this particular vehicle over here and uh, I'd love to go take a look at it it's right outside the door and he says yeah yeah talk to my associate here and so he sits me down with this guy. It's like this guy's first day on the job. The guy's dressed like a slob. He's got coffee stains on his shirt. He he's I don't know. He was really didn't look like he was. You know, he was like I, I was like I don't want to talk to this guy. I want to talk to you first of all. But he didn't listen. He put me in touch with this guy. Said I'd, I'd much prefer to have a conversation with you. You seem like the guy who's going to sell me this car. And I was actually in the market. I would have potentially purchased that vehicle. Sits me down with this guy, and the guy's like, okay, let's get you in the system here, what, trying to get all this information from me. And I said, look, man, I want to see the vehicle. I don't want to give you all my information. I'm not sure. So they just approached it really poorly. And I and so then I said, look, all right, I'm out of here. You know, you, you lost me. And then they came out and they came to my window. They knocked on the window and they started uh, asking me to give them a shot over. You know, you're going to like how we do business over here. Give us a shot. Come on. 
it was really uh it's kind of how they sound to it it was so bad man it was oh that's so cheesy it sounds like a terrible movie plot like i've heard a, a lot of disaster stories i think it's one of car buyers favorite things to do is to share with the car salesperson how poorly all the other car salespeople treated them <laughs> i get in fact i get the same story m- many many times the usual story is that uh, someone is casually dressed they were ignored then they go to a dealer nearby and drop some money on a big expensive car and then they drive back to the first dealer and rub their face in the dog poo that's the usual story and i get many variations around that I think it's just probably a bad industry from a service perspective because of a few reasons. One is the customer is going through a huge amount of stress because it's a very expensive purchase. So they're extra radar tuned to it Mm. versus going to buy a Mars bar at the local milk bar. Two is most people buy a car at some point in their life, so everyone's exposed to it. If you go out into commercial industries like uh, business-to-business industries like printing or carpet sales or whatever, you'll find that they're even more shonky, but just no one ever knows that because they're not dealing in that industry. They never get exposed to those deals. I would say in every single industry, there's good operators and bad operators. But everything you said to me is wrong and and shouldn't happen. So imagine if that salesperson was well-dressed, they had a name tag, they they had shiny shoes and they were presented nicely and they smiled and they offered you a tea or a coffee and they asked you about what sort of vehicle you have now and what you'd like to change about it, who's it for and when do you need it and what sort of things are in in particular are are important to you with the vehicle and then they ask you a little coverall which is, is there anything else and that's usually your chance to tell them anything that you're holding back or that you're not sure about and then their job's to be a problem solver. they they find the right vehicle for you based on what your requirements are. They would have found out that you don't want to drive your really nice car in the snow, that you'll actually have one or one or a couple of needs from an acronym called SPACE, which is safety, performance, appearance, comfort, economy, and durability. And if they can find out which ones of those are important to you, they can f- focus only on that. You know, it's exactly like we talk about with our online marketing is segmentation. Only ever talk to people about stuff they're interested in talking about and you'll find it's a great experience for them. And if you let people, they will tell you what they're interested in. They are dying to tell someone what they want. You know? Of course they will. You know what I used to say to people? If I was, if I was encountering you at the dealership there, I might say, Ezra, uh, well, I'd introduce myself. I'd say, hi, I'm James. And you might say, oh, I'm Ezra. And I'd shake your hand and I'd say – would you like a tea or a coffee? And you'd say, no, thanks. And I'd say, let me just grab you a glass of water. And then I might say, so that we only spend time today on things that you're interested in, do you mind if I just ask you a few questions? And you'd probably say, sure. Because, you know, I'm actually interested in, in helping you. And then I'd ask you a few questions, nothing too tricky, and you'd answer them, and then I'd be able to show you exactly the right car. So that's... That's a good example of where listening can be vital for your career. That's uh, called workplace listening. And that's really looking for all of the important clues, especially nonverbal. In, in that arena, nonverbal listening is really important. And that's, that's more under the observation category, I would say. 
Absolutely. And on the noticing category, and it's why when I do my team meetings every week, I'm it is mandatory that everyone puts their cameras on because I want to see people and I want to see their body language. And if I notice that someone is sort of slumped over and kind of not engaged and kind of not paying attention, and then I will ask that person, hey, what's going on? You know, you seem a little out of it today or you seem not interested in this particular topic. Like I am paying attention to the subtle cues that people are giving off with their body ha- language, with their cadence, with their uh, pattern of voice. And I notice, you know, I, I, I've been reading a lot in, in a couple of these. You know, I read the Willpower book and I've, I've been reading uh, – I've really gotten back into um, – reading significantly more than normal. I usually do 20, 30 minutes a night, you know, before bed, but I've gotten into like uh, an hour or two a day. Just, it's been a really fun, you know, sort of going ebbs and flows. And one of the books I was reading recently was talking about mirroring, right? And how, you know, it's a tactic and you can use it to be effective in your communications with people. You just kind of mirror their patterning. And I noticed that I actually do that intuitively. I will get on someone's level when I'm communicating with them. I'll match their tone. And 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 that is a form of listening. You're, they, they, they know you are listening to them because you're moving at their speed. Yeah, it's rapport building. And uh, a few point, points on that. Firstly, when you really develop your listening, you'll be able to detect if someone's not right or if they're holding back just from a voice. You won't need the video at some point. You can tell so much just from a voice if you're prepared to believe that and if you want to develop it. Oh, I'm, I'm convinced of that already. Regarding the, the pacing, what one of the interesting things, and I found this with debt collection, is uh, some old school sort of training tells you if a customer's screaming at you on the phone, you know, just, just approach it with a calm voice, ask them to settle down, etc. And I don't think that's good advice. I think what you're supposed to do is actually match them just slip into the same mode. If someone's screaming and shouting at me on the phone, then I'll be quite firm with them, give them back more of what they're giving to me mm. and I might then bring them back to calm. But it's not a straight into calm. That's such a, an unusual thing. They're not interested in that mode. So if someone's going to really launch at you, it's okay to launch back because that's how they understand communication at that point. Totally. You know, it reminds me of the bouncing strategy. So this is something that's kind of talked about a little bit in in some of the courses that my parents teach. Like if someone is hitting you with a really heavy negative, like things are things are screwed, everything is is wrong, it's so bad. One of the strategies, instead of saying, Oh no, poor honey, it's gonna be fine, is you say, you know what? It re- you know, you give them reality that things are f- pardon my language. You give them reality that like things are really bad. You say, yeah, I mean, this is really terrible. You just go down with them. You go down as far as they will go. You know, you just take them down. If they were going down, you just hop on for that ride. And what happens is then they bounce. You know, you've gone there with them. So then now they have the space to come back up because you're not trying to tell them it's all okay. You just like take them, you you go down with them and then that gives them the space to be able to come back up. Well, and it's very similar to the instant influence framework where you ask someone to rate out of, you know, one to 10, how ready are they to make change? And they might say, oh, no, three. And you say, well, hang on, why didn't you give it a one? You actually drag them down further and you've actually now they have to work hard to drag themselves back up. They go, well, it would have been a one if I had missing my arms and legs, but I guess they're intact, so... I thought, well, okay, maybe it's better than that. It's not the end of the world. And then now they start coming back up. Yeah. It's a very clever strategy. Uh, totally. I loved that book. Actually, you recommended that one to me a, a couple of years ago. I remember where I read it, actually. I read it on 13th Street in New York City. One of the things that I want to talk about that may seem a little out there to to certain people but has really helped me a lot is I trust how I feel. 
So if I'm in relationship with someone, uh, someone I'm selling or some, you know, a, a business colleague, an employee, whatever, and I feel something like I'm like, oh, this person is upset about this and they didn't give me any indication of that. I will ask them, like, if, if you're willing to trust those little feelings and start going with them and, and commenting on them, you'll start to be able to figure out when you're on and when you're not. And you'll be able to better have sort of a gut, like the gut feeling. I've sort of honed and refined my gut feeling because when they come up, I now I follow those leads and now I'm able to tell sort of, I don't know if that makes sense or not. It does. In fact, even if you weren't specifically onto something. I'm sure if you did it to a complete stranger as just a, a test, I mean, there is in some fields, I think in the NLP field or the uh, hypnosis field, they call it a mind read. And I think it's how tarot card readers work to a fair extent. Mm. You, know, you, you could say, oh, I can see you're feeling a sense of loss. You know, people will automatically place themselves into that, that they'll hear the words loss, they'll process, and then they will interpret what that means to them. And it's like, yes, I lost my car keys yesterday. Or it could be, uh, yes, I lost my grandma three years ago and I, I keep thinking about her. People will place themselves into what you say. So I think that will work for you even if it's – whether it's intuitive and accurate or if it's a complete shot in the dark, <laughs> I reckon it will uh, – you know, the mind read is actually a very powerful technique that shucksters use to trick people. A little, a little black magic there. Oh, oh man, I saw something today and I, and I thought, oh my goodness, this is the exact opposite. I actually went and got my new customer service manager and I said, look at this. This is 100% the exact opposite of our philosophy here on customer service. This guy is posting on Facebook about how one of his customers had, you know, threatened him with exposing him you know and and so he was you know and, and built this whole website to expose him for being a terrible guy because he wouldn't give him a refund all these other people wanted a refund and so he posted it out there and and I ended up reading through it and the way this guy was communicating with his customers was it was so bad dude it was like uh, I, I'm not gonna. It was. I'm not gonna get into the whole thing, but it was. Those people shouldn't have a Facebook account. I know, and it was like, dude, this is this is the opposite of what you need to be doing with customer service. Like, this is not how you handle people because the, there's only that is only gonna come back negatively. How is that gonna win? How are you gonna win from this by by just engaging in this battle? You know, I don't see how that puts your business further ahead. You know, I, I don't get it. I don't get how the energy spent in that battle actually, you know, gets you anywhere. In an age where a lot of businesses are tied to a person, it's not good communication for people who didn't know you. Imagine if the first time you've ever met this person is you've seen a Facebook post of his ranting. Dude, this is a guy who sells to people off of Facebook, Kevin Nation's model, you know, post on Facebook and get people to buy your stuff right from the Facebook feed. No, not good. That's there. So, yeah, those things just a whirlwind of pain. So one more type of, of listening, the active listening, right, which is where you get feedback and you restate things to make sure that you're testing the understanding. Because if, if hearing is just listening, you know, hearing is processing or getting the auditory stimuli and listening is the processing of it, then if we're in a, uh, a training environment, for example, or in a selling environment, we might want to test that people are processing the same way that we would you know, hope that they're processing. So we might ask them to tell us back what, what they just heard. So when I'm briefing someone, I will often share an SOP. We'll have a read through it together. And then I might ask them to explain to me 
how they interpret this. What do they think the project is? And when they can explain it to me in a way that I agree with and that is exactly what I intended, then I'm so right, you're good to go. And I'll generally, the, the job will complete very accurately after that point for just by doing that one little feedback test. That makes perfect sense too. And so I think what we're getting at here in this episode, listener, is that you should be or or it would benefit you to listen more. I am actually quite quiet. You, you wouldn't expect it based on what you see in my videos and how I my presence on stage. But when I am in a room full of people or a group of people at all, generally I'm not talking unless someone asks me a specific question. I'm, I am listening to what's going on. I'm perceiving what's happening in the group, seeing how people relate. Half the time what Carrie and I do after we get back from an experience is talk about people's relationships to one another. Oh, did you notice this person's, you know, how they were speaking with this person? Like we're you're paying a lot of attention to what's going on with the people, and I find it to be very valuable, particularly in business, because I'm able to, to have uh, greater insight into what my customers want and how to better serve them because I'm really paying attention to that. I'm not just trying to cram more crap down their throat. Oh, it's it's epic. I like to play little games. Like if I'm in a business, I, I can spot who the boss is. I can see who's on their first day on the job. I'm listening to customer questions. Same with airports and restaurants and just walking around the street in Manly here. I, I hear fascinating conversations. And one of the things that I think is a huge clue that is worth dialing in is picking up accents. Mm. I can pay particular attention to where someone's from. I was in an event in Colorado and I said to this lady, you sound like you're from New York. And she goes, wow, no one's ever said that to me before. But yeah, I used to live there like 10 years ago. <laughs> and she's from Poland before that. So no one ever picks wow. it. And I'm just dialing in onto the accent because I know if I can get the accent, that will give me huge clues as to their cultural preferences, favorite sporting teams, you know, what sort of climate they grew up in. It's it's a big insight if you can locate, you know, how someone grew up and what their attitudes might be. Absolutely. And, and, and how they've been conditioned based on where they come from. Let's roll into the weekly willpower wager. Let's get Carol going here. Weekly willpower wager. Nice one, Carol. This one's on you, James. Okay, so the weekly willpower wager is uh, the next time you're on a telephone call with someone, if it's safe to do so, try closing your eyes. Just just cut down the extra stimuli, you know, assuming you don't have to take notes or something, and really just listen and go just past just the words people are saying, but listen to the tonality. Try and place yourself in their shoes almost. And that's, that's what I do. I actually transport, I close my eyes, I transport down the phone line and I imagine I'm standing right there next to them while they're talking and I'm, I'm listening intently to the words, the tone, the pacing, how's their breathing, are they in a hurry, are they relaxed? These things will give you some huge clues and just be right there as close to the moment as you possibly can by just blocking out all the other stimuli. So that's the willpower wages. See if you can... Try that, turning turning your eyes off. You know, I, I since you mentioned it, I, I've been doing it, and uh, I quite like it. I kind of I kind of am able to get down a, a different channel. So, news and updates. 
We have super fast business coming up March 2016 in Manly. I cannot wait. I love Manly. I've been talking to people. I've got a lot of friends in Australia, it turns out. I've been selling tickets to this event. You know, might be because you came to the event as well. No, no. I mean, like, people who aren't even from the, 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 this world, you know, who, I, who just happen to be in Australia. We've got uh, some friends of ours who we met in Austin, Texas 10 years ago. We're going to be in, in uh, Manly at that time. And it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be great, man. It's, it's, it's a really good event. That's in March, and tickets are available at superfastbusiness.com forward slash live. So I hope to see you there, and and we will be doing some surfing, uh, optional. It's going to be a party. I've got – what do I got? I've got Entrepalooza coming up. If you're listening to this now, it's coming up in a week, and Converted.com Lead Pages event coming up in about two weeks here. I'll be speaking at those events. I've got uh, uh, the Smart Marketer Traffic Intensive Boot Camp along with my Blue Ribbon Mastermind happening in December. And then January, February, and March, I will be on the road. I'll be in Hawaii, California, and Australia for those three months. We're doing a lot of Think I Get and – uh, heading out to the Traffic and Conversion Summit, some other events, but I'll just be uh, getting out of New York for the winter. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting out and about too. I'm heading over to California in a short while to uh, attend a super exclusive private mastermind, which will be cool. Oh, yeah, man. I heard about that one. That sounds good. I'm going to head over to the Philippines and have a little Christmas party with the team. That'll be nice. Oh, that'll, that'll be fun, yeah. Possibly popping over to the UK. We'll see. You know, let me know when you do that. I've never been to I've never been to Europe and I'd like to go. So Really? Well, Europe's just next door, but it's de- depending on the I mean it's a good time of the year to travel around that sort of September period, October, because most countries are about the same temperature. Ah. Uh, is it is you're it, in the crossover. Right, right. Same temperature as uh, as as New York, yes. Basically is everywhere. Like as you go from winter to summer, we're going from from summer to winter, and so on. So whether you're northern or southern hemisphere, those crossover points are usually like that sort of March, April, right, and then September, October. They're good travel times often because it's sort of the same temperature. If you if you don't want a drastic change, but if you know if you want to really freeze your balls off, go to London in January. Yeah, that Ooh. doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> it's like one degree um, or something. I'm, but I'm you'd be used to that. Quite fond of my from where you're from of my balls. <laughs> what do you What do you think of your quote? You keeping it? What's going on? Well, I haven't looked at it, so just tell me because I I didn't. Well, your quote is: "I remind myself every morning, nothing I say this day will teach me anything." So if I'm going to learn, I must do it by listening. By your boy, Larry King. Nah, that's bullshit. I'm all sure right, right, right. I learn a lot from my questions of people. I, if I ask someone a question <laughs> and they answer it, I've just learned something. It's, it's a true gift of teaching. and, and so fa- get, get out of here, Larry and King. And facilitating. What would he know? Okay, my quote is, <laughs> there is a difference between listening and waiting for your turn to speak by Simon. No, that's my quote Simon from Sinek. Simon Sinek. <laughs> that's my. <laughs> did I just drop in on you? <laughs> you did, and you're not even oh, looking at the page, so you really. I'm not even looking at the page, but I mean, we both know Simon, and uh, okay, I'll give it. I'll do a different one. You just do yours, and we'll pretend it hasn't been written. <laughs> All right, there's a di- there's a difference between listening and waiting for your turn to speak by Simon Sinek, and the reason why I like. Oh, that's a good one. Isn't you it? know, I'm I'm telling you, man. <laughs> The, re- the reason why I like this is because I think it illustrates everything that we've said here, that there is 
more to listening than just hearing what someone says. There's there's perceiving, there's noticing, there's a whole there's 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 a, you can bring as much attention to that moment and you can hear there's levels to what you can hear. So if you're actually listening then you're 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 perceiving a lot more than what they than what than the words they said. Yeah, you know, um what just happened with the quote then it reminded me of like preschool when they handed out the musical instruments and some kid got these awesome tambourines. And I got a plastic bottle with rice in it, and it was supposed to be some shaker. <laughs> it was like I kind of got the dud instrument. I just wanted to swap real bad. <laughs> Bring back flashbacks here. I, mean, no, I did give you Larry King. I'm sorry. But I've got a different different quote. Maybe we've heard this one before, but something along the lines of we have two ears and one mouth. Maybe that's good advice for your salesperson down there in the upstate New York car dealership. Seriously. I mean, this guy was bad, man. Um, but yeah, I like it. I like it. So, you know, this is Think I Get. We focus on mindset, behavior, and results. Our goal is to improve your life and your business. Everything that we do here is directed towards you, our listener. We do these these podcasts for you. So we're super interested in what you have to say, what you think about this. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Please come over to our blog and leave us a comment using our speak pipe widget where you can actually uh, read a comment in and we will play it back and then respond. Uh, comment right under the episode on the uh, you know with a text uh, – Sorry, a word comment in, in the comment section there on the blog. Uh, let us know what you think. We really want to hear whether or not you agree. And if you disagree, let us know why. Um, engage with us. Let us know. Yeah, have some psychological interpretation of what you're hearing right now. This has been a good episode. A lot of fun, Ezra. Great to, to get a little more backstory. It's like a magician's handkerchief. We just keep pulling out more interesting stories from your life. My my my! I'm not going to pick a fight with you. That's for sure. <laughs> it's been a storied career. I'm actually quite comfortable in a confrontational situation. You know, I, I've I've trained to fight my whole life. However, the interesting thing about being trained to fight is then you don't feel the need to do it, right? Like even in school, I never felt the need to prove myself or anything. I my goal is to not. Ever, I feel like you've won if you never have to fight, if you're able to avoid those situations. What are you trying to prove? It's more like insurance, right? Yeah. You win like, if you never have to claim. That's right. You know, and it's good to it's good to feel comfortable in a you know in a confrontational situation and, and feel comfortable that you can take care of yourself. But at the end of the day, you don't want to hurt anyone and you don't want anyone to hurt you. And you know, you, you don't want I don't want at least I don't want any part of that. I, I try to uh if you're playing it right, you can generally avoid confrontation, knock on wood. Sometimes it finds you, but uh there you go. So listening. It's the conscious processing of auditory stimuli that have been perceived through hearing. Listening, what is it? How are you using it? And how is it affecting your business and your life? That's what we've been looking at in this episode of Think Act Get. Thank you so much for listening. Listener. See ya. This has been another episode of Think Act Get with James Schranko and Ezra Firestone. For more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster, visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter. It's free.